the time. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm like Brother Marvin. I, I hate for it to end. I've been enjoying the Golden Girls, Miss Sandra and Miss Jill and cooked back there and gave us food and Miss Linda was back there today and uh, Miss Patty, Bart's wife and I want to thank all those who've been cooking. It has been good. <laughs> Wrong button. Man, I'm a preacher. You get this thing. Miss Gail, that's good. And Miss Beth, Miss Beth, y'all are them golden girls here? Did y'all bring some food? I'm just kidding. <laughs> pickles, I like them pickles, boy. Yeah, y'all just make sure y'all tell everybody it says bourbon on there, but they don't have no bourbon in it. That's just a title of the pickle. I'm a teetotaler. God delivered me from that mess. Got me off that dope and gave me some hope. Now I'm getting high on Jesus. Praise the Lord. We're going to be in 1 Peter tonight, 1 Peter chapter 1. I know this is on live stream, so I just want to tell everybody it may get cut off. Last time I preached this message, there was somebody had us live streaming somewhere, and they, they cut us off. They cut us off. Folks, I don't know if you know it, but the social media, the Internet, and the world is coming against the church, and they want us to be quiet. I want to tell you in East Texas language, when I was there for 13 years, I ain't scared. They're not going to get me to shut up. They're not going to get me to stop proclaiming God's Word. And therefore, I want to speak to you tonight on a living hope, guarded by God. Guarded by God. Let's read a few verses together. Peter, an apostle, verse 1, First Peter. Of Jesus Christ, those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. I want you to pay close attention to verse 5, who are protected by the power of God who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you have, do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. 
Let us pray. Father God in heaven, I pray you fill me with your Holy Spirit. You use me for your glory, that your Son, Jesus Christ, would be exalted, that your word would be honored. And Lord, you would allow me to preach tonight without fear or favor of man, only to honor Christ and to his word and to him alone. That I would decrease and he would increase. That the lost would be saved and the saved would be revived. That you would begin with my own heart. In the name of Jesus, our great God and Savior, we pray. Amen. Brother Marvin and Diane, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank the church for being so gracious and kind and loving. And all of your hospitality is greatly appreciated. I hate to leave. I love you. I thank God for you. It's been a blessing. But hey, remember this. Revival is something that God does in your heart. And if it's true revival, it don't stop when the preacher leaves and the musicians leave. It continues on because I'm not the reason you're here. You're here because of Christ. So if you've truly been revived, give God the glory and keep on serving until you hear the trumpet sound by the grace and glory of God. I want to start taking a close look at verse 5, who are protected by the power of God through faith. The Bible says we're guarded and protected by God when we get saved, folks. And I believe what the Scriptures teach, don't you? The Bible says that being confident of this very thing, Philippians 1, 6, God begun a good work in you and will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. John goes on to say they went out from us because they were not of us. If they would have continued with us, it would have been manifest by God that they were of us. Folks, there's something terrible going on in a lot of churches and ministries. I just want to start by saying that. I mean, you got people who are dropping out of the ministry, and some of them are preachers who are now saying they're atheists. They don't believe in the gospel no more. Joshua Harris wrote that book, I Kissed Dayton Goodbye. Churches all over the world were doing that information. He had a mega church. He's no longer married. He got divorced, and now he says he don't know if he even believes in God or maybe said he don't believe in God no more. Ray Boats. How many of you heard of the Anchor Holds? You've heard that song sang over and over again in churches. That song was penned by Ray Boats and uh, uh, Lawrence Tuning. The the words go like this. You've probably heard it. I've journeyed through a long, dark night out on the open sea by faith alone, sight unknown, and his eyes were watching me. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. I've had visions, I've had dreams, I've even held them in my hand, but I never knew they would slip right through. They were on, like they were only grains of sand. The anchor holds, the ship is battered, the anchor holds, though the sails are torn. Well, evidently the anchor didn't hold for Ray Bolts. Many of you may not know this. After 31 years, according to his own website of ministry, singing all over the world, he now on his own website is so glad he's divorced his wife, he's come out of his gay, and he's married to a man, and his website goes, he is now retired and living in Florida with his husband. The anchor didn't hold, did it? And you know, churches are confused right now with all this transgender, homosexuality, and all of this ungodliness. And folks, I've had people walk out on my preaching. If you're going to walk out now, go ahead. I can hit a moving target. Churches are afraid to speak the truth 
and proclaim the word of God because they're walking in fear of man. And Paul said, if I still lived and walked in fear of man, I would not be a servant of God. Folks, we need churches and pastors and Christians who knew absolutely what the Word of God teaches and stand on it regardless of what's politically correct and what the world says. God is true, let every man be a liar, the Word of God says. Folks, you may not know this, but the past two Southern Baptist Convention presidents said that we have not done enough to fight for the rights of the LGBT. Now, I want to stop right here. We're supposed to love people. We're supposed to respect and love people and be nice to them and be Christ-like. But, folks, I'm telling you that this wicked movement of the LGBT and the rights is straight from the pits of hell, that that lifestyle is an abomination before a holy God. The Scriptures teach us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, Paul said. Do not be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, or swindlers, listen to this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, to be fair to the Scriptures, let me make this abundantly clear. If you're going around thieving and that's your lifestyle, you're lost and you need to get saved. If you're a swindler, you're always ripping people off, taking advantage of people. The Bible even says they're covetous, man. You're never satisfied. You're never content. You're always looking at what somebody else has and wants it. You're lost and you need to get saved. All of these things, Paul says, that lifestyle is a representation of a person that's never been regenerated by the blood of Jesus Christ. He even says a drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, I was addicted to cocaine and ecstasy for six years. The first thing God did when I got saved was deliver me from drugs and alcohol, and I got saved by the grace of God. A person living under addiction week in and week out and week out needs to be saved and born again by the grace and glory of God. Why are we getting away from the Scriptures, church? Listen to me. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed according to the Word of God. This message in this Bible is getting less and less popular with society, folks. But I want to tell you as a church, we've got to get to the point where we're either going to get back to the Word of God and stand on the Word of God and preach the Word of God without fear or favor of men, or we're going to give in to the world and the social movements and let the culture tell us as a church what we can say and what we cannot say. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You want to serve the world? You want to serve? Oh, if, if we're going to give Jesus praise, we're going to give him all we got. Amen. That was weak. Let's praise him. 
If you believe this Bible is true, if you believe that the culture is wrong and the movements are wrong, then you're going to have to make up your mind in these last days that we live in. If you're going to stand on God's word, are you going to listen to the ungodly and the wicked who are tolerating everything except Jesus and his glory and his gospel? You can talk about anything outside this church you want. Whether it's Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, the LGBT movement, and people will praise you. You get out there and start mentioning the name above all names, that beautiful name, the only name in heaven and that and on earth and under the earth by which we must be saved, the one that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm telling you, you will get assaulted. And it's not going to get better, folks. This is a worldwide pandemic of wickedness. But praise God, God's still got a remnant that wants to see revival. God's still got a remnant that believes the Word of God. God's still got a remnant that's standing on the Word of God. I'm telling you, I'm going to stand on the Word of God and proclaim the Word of God until my great God and Savior comes back. And I don't care what the world's going to do and the Black Lives Matter's going to do and the critical race theory's going to do and the LGBT, QVC, SURV, MUV is going to do, but I'm going to stand on the holy word of God until he comes back. Now, I want you to understand something right now. I love black people, but I want to tell you something. That Black Lives Matter's organization, not the people, is straight from the pits of hell. They came out just a few years ago. They were bombing Israel, Hezbollah, and Hamas. They came out on international TV. And why is this so important? Why? I'm not talking politics, and I'll tell you why in a minute. They said they sided with Hezbollah and Hamas for the destruction of Israel. And pastors all over America are joining in with that movement. Promoting it. Apologizing for being white. Have they read the holy word of God? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In the book of Revelation, every tribe, every tongue, every nation are going to be standing before God as a family, folks. I'm telling you, even the Jews tried to look upon the Samaritans as dogs and unclean, and Jesus rebuked them. White people are precious in the sight of God. Black people are precious in the sight of God. Latinos are precious in the sight of God. Russians are precious in the sight of God. Every race in this world is precious to our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And these ungodly movements are creeping in and tearing down churches and cutting them up who go against it. You either join in or you're intolerant, you're a racist, you're a bigot. No, I'm a child of the living God, and I love every human being on this earth, and I'm not joining or connecting at the hip with an ungodly organization that is wicked. And Peter says we're kept, he said, kept, protected by God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in verse 5 in the last time. The purpose by which we are kept, Folks, God didn't save us just to sit on a pew until Jesus comes back. The purpose by which we are kept, he says an initial, initial transformation has to take place before we can be guarded. I'll tell you what, God guards what's his, folks. In verse 3, 
He says in verse 3, listen to this, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You got to be saved. There has to be an initial, number one, transformation before you can be guarded. And this is why I believe so many people are falling away and disowning God, saying they never knew God, doubting they ever was even truly saved by the grace of God. Folks, I want to tell you, you're not going to stand before God one day if you're born again and say, God, I don't believe in you no more, but you're letting me into heaven because one day I wrote a book or I pastored a big church or I made a decision for Christ when I was 13 years old. You cannot enter into heaven if you're born again saying you don't believe in God no more. That is ludicrous. That is impossible according to the word of God. In church, you better guard yourself because this is the type of stuff that is creeping into churches all over the world right now. And I've had people leave the church and walk out on sermons because they're siding with all of these ungodly, wicked groups in society instead of standing on the holy word of God. If you want to be guarded and kept by God, First of all, you've got to be born again unto a living hope. Folks, that's not rocket scientists. That's one plus one equals two. I'm a Cajun and I can even add that up. An initial transformation. This is not salvation by good works or reincarnation or karma or the God of your own planet one day as the Mormons preach or paradise on earth and no heaven as the Jehovah's Witness teach. Uh, purgatory as the Catholics believe. I'm telling you, you're born again and saved by the grace of God, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Whosoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. You get to heaven too. You get all of Jesus and all of heaven too, folks. That's laying you up in my book, Brother Marvin. You don't go to purgatory when you die. I got a problem getting people to pray for me as a preacher right now. How are they going to pray for me when I die? Hello. You get saved by the grace of God. And the scriptures teach, Peter says, God guards you and protects you and he keeps you saved. I love that scripture in John 28 where Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than you all and no one, no one, no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Folks, I believe in once saved, always saved, but I believe there's a lot of people faking it. They may walk out and get baptized, but they went in there a dry devil and came out a wet devil. I'm telling you, those who get saved by the grace of God are kept by the grace of God, and God keeps on working with them and working with them and working with them. What you think happened in Peter's life? He denied Christ three times. He cursed and swore he never knew Jesus. And then several days later, he stands up filled with the spirit of the living God and preaches, and 3,000 people get saved because God kept walking working with Peter through all of his faults and his failures. Aren't you glad, as the old songwriter wrote, aren't you glad he don't throw the clay away? He keeps on putting it on the pedestal and keeps on spinning that wheel and keeps molding you and shaping you and conforming you. As you confess your sins and repent and trust him and believe on him, he keeps on working with you as a child of God. 
But there must be an initial transformation and then there must be a continual expectation. Look what he says in verse 3. He says in verse 3, not only Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again, he says, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope, folks. Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. Three days later, that stone was rolled away and he rose to glory and sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's why the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father through his resurrection. We have a living hope, folks. Hope for today, strength for today, courage for tomorrow. Because no matter how bad things get, we can look to heaven and see Jesus is still on his throne. You believe that here tonight? Act like it, amen. We don't need to be walking around, folks, depressed, discouraged, intimidated, in fear. I'm telling you, folks, I don't care what all those folks do out there. I'm going to love on them, and I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to preach Keep on preaching Jesus to him, but I'm telling you, I am kept by the power of God through his mercy and grace, and I thank God he saved me, and he keeps me saved by the grace and glory of God. Got a living hope according to the word of God, and then an eternal completion. Don't live your life like this is all we get, folks. Peter says to obtain in verse 4 an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. In other words, when you look at this word imperishable and undefiled, it simply means our inheritance is indestructible, it's unstained, it's kept underneath watch by God Almighty. Aren't you glad this is the type of inheritance that you have? It's indestructible, it's unstained, it's kept underneath watch by God. The devil can't take it away from you. The naysayers can't take it away from you. No one can take what God has given you. It's kept under watch by Almighty God. Aren't you glad that if God feeds the little sparrows, he'll take care of you? No wonder Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.1, We know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He goes on to write in Romans 8.18, I consider that the sufferings of this world are not worthy, what? To the glory that's going to be complete to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Suffer now, folks. Stand strong now. But one day we're going to stand before that throne and see the glory of God. And hear our great God and Savior, well done, thy good and faithful servants. Church, this may be the last night, but don't give up the fight. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking. Keep on believing. Keep on standing on the holy word of God. Preach the word without fear or favor of man. Love the lost. Love each other. And trust God that he's going to keep you all the way through by the grace and glory of God. Guard it. The power in which we are kept. Guard it from the world. Jesus said these words in John 16, These things have I spoken to you. In me you'll have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, Jesus said. Listen to what he said, church. Listen to this on this last night. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Folks, we don't have to walk around depressed and discouraged and bewildered. 
We're kept by the mercy and grace of God. And Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Jesus knew that most of those disciples were going to be martyred. They were going to be killed for the cause of the gospel. And yet he says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let your heart not be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Folks, we don't have to be afraid because Christ is with us and in us. He's greater than everything that's going on in this world, and he's coming back for his church. Therefore, we should stand strong. I'm telling you, we need to put on the helmet of salvation. We need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We need to shout our feet with the preparation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and put on the shield of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, and gird our belts with the truth and stand strong as good soldiers of Christ because, folks, God's not intimidated by all of these movements going on in this world. There's another movement coming. And there's going to be a lot of people moving mighty quick when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, folks. And as children of God, we're guarded from the world according to the Word of God. I want to tell you, church, listen to me carefully. You see this world system and all of its ungodliness and wickedness? This world system is a sham. It's wicked. It's antichrist. It's immoral. It's godless. And it's aggressively violent to everything that even closely resembles God, the gospel and Jesus. What do we do? We do like the old country preacher said, we don't let up, shut up, or give up until we get caught up, amen. We're not backing down and we ain't scared. We're going to love people, yes. We're not going to be hateful and godly, but we're going to preach repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn to Jesus and he'll save you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be unto you. Hey, Isaiah said it like this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and the Lord will have mercy on him and he will grant him a pardon abundantly according to the word of God. This gospel of grace is available, folks. But I want to tell you, every man's got a free will. I believe in free will. You've got to make your decision if you're going to follow Christ or follow the world. If you're going to love your money and your pleasure more than you love God, are you going to repent and turn from your drugs, your alcohol, your ungodliness, and come to Christ as a broken vessel? I need you, God. I'm lost, I'm ungodly, and I need to be saved. And when that initial transformation takes place, I promise you, God will see you all the way through. He'll give you the strength that you don't have. He'll give you the comfort you don't have. He'll exchange your depression for his joy, your weakness for his strength, your comfort, and, uh, your comfort, your discomfort for his comfort, and God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Guard it from the world when we get saved. Guard it from the flesh. Paul writes in Romans 8, 10, and 11, If Christ is in you, through the body, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. No wonder Paul wrote in Galatians 5.16, Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Holy Spirit gives you strength. To stay guarded and protected by God. 
question is, are you yielding to the Spirit or are you yielding to your flesh? Are you yielding to the Holy Spirit or are you yielding to the opinions of others? Are you yielding to the Holy Spirit or are you yielding to culture and the intimidation and the fear factors that are going on? Guarded from the devil, Jesus prayed in John 17, 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Colossians 2.15 says God stripped Satan or he disarmed him. The rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through Christ. Where did this happen? At the cross of Calvary. Jesus died on that old rugged cross. He disarmed Satan. Oh, well, Brother Marty, I feel like I'm getting beat up. Boy, I'm getting hit good. I'm under spiritual warfare. I want to tell you something. When Jesus died on that cross, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and Satan and every demon of hell. They tremble at the presence of God. They're underneath the total control of God. I want to tell you, folks, when they was on that hillside and that uh, demoniac was out there in the garden screaming and ungodly and wicked and Jesus gets out of the boat and those demons come out there running, boy, hey, fear of going to abyss before their time. They said, Lord, don't let us go to the abyss before time, that eternal lake of fire. And they actually would send them into the swine. What a funny picture in the presence of Jesus. A bunch of demons got a piggyback ride into the ocean. And when Jesus went to the cross, he defeated Satan and all the demons of hell. Listen to me, church, and you should be encouraged. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came to live on side of you, to give you power to walk in the spirit of the living God because Satan is defeated. He's a defeated foe according to the Word of God. You pick up a copy of the Word of God and ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. You don't have to succumb to all of His ungodly wickedness and tactics. I want you to think about this. Well, you know what, Tori? That's why I'm thinking about this. We always sing this song. Jesus disarmed Satan at the foot of the cross at the cross when he shed his blood and his resurrection to give us power to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil as he works in and through us. That's why we should sing that hymn sometimes, Tori, when we get discouraged or depressed or feel weak. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Folks, we got resurrection power because of the cross of Calvary. The presence of the Holy Spirit of God, a copy of the Word of God. If you want to walk in victory, if you want to have revival, you need to pray for the filling of God's Holy Spirit. Absolutely study and pray over God's Word day and night. Stand on His promises. Rebuke the devil. James said, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And every ungodly group and cultural thing that comes along that is straight from the pits of hell, rebuke it, call it out for what it is, love people, share the gospel, but have no part of it if it's not biblical and scriptural. Amen. Guarded from the devil and then the process by which we are kept, we must take Christ by faith. We covered that in the beginning of this sermon. 
says we have to be born again, we have to be saved, and then we must trust Christ by faith. If we're going to walk in victory, folks, we've got to trust Christ by faith. One of the first scriptures I memorized was in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We must take Christ by faith. We must trust Christ by faith. Charles Spurgeon said these words. We could define faith with one word, trust. It's believing God and so believing in Christ that we trust ourselves and our eternal destinies in the hands of a reconciled God. Are you trusting Him? Are you trusting Jesus tonight, not only that you've been saved and you've received Him, are you trusting Christ every day of your life to give you victory? Folks, I don't agree with everything that Joel Osteen has, but every now and then he says something, I'm like, amen. We have victory in Christ, folks. We're not victims. We are victors. We shared this scripture this past week. Yet in all these things we are much, much more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Get into that word and study it. Pray on your knees and trust Jesus and believe him by faith that he has defeated Satan and all the demons of hell and his power and his glory is available to you and lives on the inside of you. Repent of sin. If there's something in your life you need to repent of, hey, 1 John, you want a recipe for revival? Start out with 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You're a youth and you've been doing some ungodly things. Get on your face before God. If you say you're saved, then ask God to forgive you. You haven't been treating your wife right in the presence of God. Get on your face before God and ask him to forgive you and fill you with his Holy Spirit and the power of his blood to overcome that ungodliness. You've got a wife. You've been disrespectful to your husband. You're very loud in the household. You're always trying to take the lead instead of letting him lead and submitting. Get on your face before God and confess your sins if you want personal revival. Tell God to give you a, ask God to fill you with his spirit and give you a gentle and loving and submissive spirit to your husband. You've been at the workplace laughing at dirty jokes and laughing at ungodliness and coarse jesting. Get on your face before God if you want revival and say, God, I've been ungodly in presence of my co-workers. I've been a poor witness for the glory of God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power and your glory to go back to work and tell them, look, I was wrong in my Christian walk. I've made some mistakes in front of them, but I want to tell you all, I'm not going to be laughing at that ungodliness no more. Folks, if we want revival, we got to get real with God, amen? We just got to really, really get on our faces and get real with God. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saved and you've been dealing with the flesh and the devil coming against you. There's someone during this revival you could think of right now, the Holy Spirit of God's putting on your heart. It might be your pastor. It might be a deacon. It might be a Sunday school teacher. It might be another member. And you know that your heart's not right with them. You want revival? Go to them before the night's over and say, hey, I got bad feelings toward you. I want true revival to break out in this church. 
Let's get it out in the open and get real with God. But you know what it is, folks? We keep these things bound in our hearts and they stay there and it grieves the Holy Spirit and we don't see God move in power because there's stuff we're just not getting right. Kept by God's Spirit. We must trust Christ by faith and then I'm going to close with this. We must thank Christ by faith. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's firm belief in salvation and a future hope of glory calls Paul to praise and thank God for all things. I want you to think about this in Philippians 4, 6. Paul was in a prison cell. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Are we whiners or shiners? Are we thanking God and praising God? Are we complaining and moaning and groaning and bickering? Be careful for nothing. One translation has anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Don't let the worries and cares of this world choke the life of the gospel in your life. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Hey, a lot of times we'd have revival, we quit complaining so much and start to begin to praise God and thank God for what He has done. And then stop and start thanking Him for what He's going to do. Abraham goes up to that mountain, he's going to sacrifice Isaac. He tells those servants, hey, y'all wait right here, I'll be back with the lad. He was trusting God before he ever got to the top of Mount Moriah that God was going to provide a ram. I can't believe God would ask me to sacrifice my son. I just, this has just got me tore up. I don't, I don't, man, I just can't believe God would ask me to do something. It was a test of faith. And Abraham believed God before he ever got up there. You remember the story of Abraham and Isaac. He laid them down on that altar. And I mean, he came back and was going to come down. He was that close to say. And the angel of God appeared and said, Do the lad no harm, for God has provided a ram. That close. Folks, I want to tell you, sometime God will bring you all the way to the end of yourself to show you his glory. What are you waiting on? What are you expecting? What are you praying for? You know, Brother Marvin tells me, y'all got needs around here. Guess what? Get on your face and start thanking God that the need has already been met. Start praising God because he's a good God and he loves his church and he's going to take care of his church. Guys, I love you and I praise God for you and it's been an awesome week. I want to encourage you on the way out as I depart. Love your pastor. Love his wife. Love each other. And get on your faces before God and totally trust and believe God for revival. And whatever needs they are in this church, you begin to pray right now and praise God for the answer already. That's how much God loves you. He'll take care of you. And I know Brother Marvin's seen it and some of you elders have seen it. God is faithful. He always provides. Let us pray. Our Father God in heaven, I thank you, Lord.
I've been blessed, Lord, by the fellowship, by the attendance, by the flock, Lord, that has come out to support their church and even those who have visited. For the hospitality, the fellowship, the eating. But, Lord, we thank you most of all that Christ was glorified this week through your word, through your worship, dear God. And, Lord, during this last invitation tonight, as they continue on after I leave and Brother Tory leaves, they would be very aware that revival is because now, Lord, it's God's presence that's here and what he's doing, not us. And revival would continue on, dear God, and this lovely group of brothers and sisters in Christ would love each other and pray for each other and witness to the loss and get the gospel out as fast as they can before you return in all your glory. Lord, just keep them, guard them, protect them. And we'll give you honor, glory, and praise for all that you do. In the name of Jesus, our great God and Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we stand together, I'm going to just ask you to obey God, trust God. And if you need to come and tonight you've never been saved, you've never truly repented and trusted the Lord, and you need to do that tonight. And if we are saved, you just need to do what God's putting on your heart to do. And as we sing, I hope you'll just seek the Lord and let him do his work in your life.